0: The of Forever! <laughs> do, 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 do. You are now tuned into... A new podcast. What's going on, y'all? I'm your host, DJ.
1: And I'm your host, Evan.
0: Yeah, I meant to say co host. I'm
1: your co host. I'm <laughs> see, a co
0: host. You're a co host. See, we're not. Everyone's we're, a co host. We are not professional motherfuckers. We are clearly indie in this bitch. Yes. Right now. Yes. Um, we're edgy. Yeah, we, we do edgy. first take.
1: We forget to say the word co.
0: Amateurs like you <laughs> do for uh, two takes. I do one take. Do you see how real we're being right now? uh mm-hmm. But we are being so meta because it ties into just how fucking meta the movie we're watching today is this is a weird movie it's a weird, it's a weird movie oh man um, and this is the review of a new podcast like I said here we like to go through the filmographies of our favorite movie makers and look at them through a modern lens now that we're all grown up and stuff and you know can like, figure out what shit is about but uh, before I start before we start Uh, I want to give a shout out to the $10 patron, Thomas Glosser. Thank you so much for your donation. And if you want a shout out in the intro of these episodes, go to patreon.com slash review a new podcast. And you can also hear uh, all the exclusive episodes that haven't gone public yet. Uh, But now that I've gotten the advertising, uh, uh, you know, preamble script out of the way, let's talk about Mel Brooks's history of the world. Part one. A uh, Smart title, I've always thought, like, because it's like, first of all, you can always do a sequel with it. That is mm-hmm. kind of genius. And w- he is right no matter what. Like, wh- yeah. everything that's happened is part one of whatever's happened. Yeah, yeah. Next. I guess that never really
1: occurred to me because <laughs> I just thought of, like, the joke, the cinema joke of the title being that at the very end, there's a little preview for History of the World Part Two, which is oh, just yes. like, Hitler on ice and like you know stuff. Jews
0: in Spain. Yeah, it's it's not anything
1: that is actually happening, and so I just always thought of the title as being oh the joke is there's no part two, but yeah it is also that well knockwood the world's not over yet
0: so <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so we've got these little funny vignettes about the cave. There's a lot about the cavemen. There's the one about Moses, and then it jumps to ancient Rome, and then we've got like a twenty five minute ish. Short film essentially, like yeah. this is essentially a movie. There's a plot, but it's very short within it. Um, about a character who's not, you know, a famous great historical figure, he's this. Uh, stand-up philosopher, he's a comedian in ancient Rome, Oh, a bullshit
0: artist, eh? <laughs> yeah.
1: And, uh, and a, uh, slave that he meets, and a vestal virgin, which this movie was clearly not quite clear on what vestal virgins were <laughs> yeah. for.
0: Everyone was, like, really, like, awkward towards her. They're yeah. like, oh, she's the virgin, and he's, um, like, refused, Gregory Hines refused to shake her hand, he's like, oh, hey, yeah. Yeah, um...
1: <laughs> But uh, essentially... Vestal virgins, basically, if you were in ancient Rome, you wanted to be a vestal virgin because their diets were vegetarian and everything else that ain't, that like normal ancient Romans ate was nasty. Um, <laughs> I learned this on The super Go, which is a fun show. Wait, did you, you can show find me it on that YouTube. episode? I think I did. Yeah, yeah. about Rome. <laughs> yeah, everything is disgusting. Basically, everything people ate in the past is disgusting. Is the yeah, oh of that my show. lord. Um, but, you know, so there's this, you know, like little 20 to 30-minute short film um set in ancient rome that is about a character who's a more or less normal guy and his friends and you know the hijinks they get up to and then uh it, there's a, a sort of an excuse to get them to a quick sketch about the last supper uh it, as in jesus
0: Yeah, I mean, like, the whole thing is that they're entertaining Caesar, right? Right, well, that's,
1: that's like part of the, that's part of the Rome sequence. And then,
0: that's how it ends. You're right. It ends with the Last Supper thing. Yeah,
1: so just skipping over that for now, like, essentially, at the end, they escape to uh, Judea, and uh, there's a gag with the Last Supper, but that's basically, that could be a sketch on its own. Um, And then, There's the Inquisition musical number. Yes. Which is a big Busby Berkeley style musical number about the Spanish Inquisition. And then there's another essentially short film uh, that's essentially like a Prince and the Pauper type thing, but about the French Revolution that is set in revolutionary France. Mm -hmm. And then that's basically the last section. And then there's a moment at the end that gets very meta. But so you've got vignettes, vignettes... Uh, like, like, vignettes, vignettes, vignettes. Oh, and also, forgot to mention, um, um, Brain, what's his name? Towards the end of his life was getting, uh, commercial, like, doing jobs for commercials, and there's a recording of him getting very drunk and (laughs) saying, he's advertising frozen peas, and he says, they are full of delicious green penis. (laughs) Um... But who am I thinking? I wanted to say. Orson Oscar... Welles. Orson Welles. I could not. I wanted to say Oscar Wilde, and I knew that wasn't right. I couldn't remember the name Orson no, Welles. Yeah, oh yeah. my God. I could tell you about his pee commercials. Mm. I couldn't he tell is, you. His he name. is
0: the guy who I could use Wait, did he do Citizen Kane?
1: Yeah. He directed Citizen King.
0: Who is the person that. uh... Yeah, who is, who is like really fat in his old age and doing the ads? Orson Welles. That's him? Mm hmm. And who also did the. what? Yep. Yeah, that's the same. This motherfucking innovative motherfucker. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like you know when you have this like when someone's just old enough, where you're like, am I am I sure I'm not confusing that with yeah. some other guy who did like yeah. who happened to do a bunch of innovative stuff at the same time? But like I'm a dumbass because I can't remember like HP this person from Q S McGovern. You yeah, know. <laughs> yeah.
1: No. So Orson Wells is the narrator, um, and he narrates.
0: He's I, the guy who Maurice Lamarche is always imitating with yes, like, uh, like brain, brain and like, making yeah, a yeah, brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: <laughs> so so Orson Welles uh narrates the first part that's you know, he's like, early man discovered this and like, you know and it and it seems like it's gonna be sort of one of those, you know, educational vignette, like a like a not a mockumentary exactly, but it's gonna be a spoof on those educational uh films. And then He kind of just goes away because then it turns to the plot-based things. So, the beginning... If you didn't know anything about this movie going in, you know, you settle in and you got the cavemen and you assume that it's all going to be like this. It's going to then move to ancient Rome and mankind discovered the aqueduct and then some gags about aqueducts. But it's not... it's, It's more
0: like his Kentucky Fried movie, but for history.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's there's just a lot of different stuff in it and i don't think that's a bad thing um i don't think that's a bad thing i think it's more interesting how it is than if it had been one type of thing throughout however yeah but it
0: does
1: it does make it a little bit difficult to talk about because oh in some ways just because it's like constantly throwing you for a loop and what you yeah and so the two sections the rome section and the france section are like these little um self-contained short films, but then also they do get tied
0: together, but in... Yeah, in in a really awkwardly loose way. Yeah, in a a
1: way, I mean, basically...
0: It's just like, oh, get out of here, Mel Brooks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's
1: only the very, very, very end that attempts it together and gets really... to tie it together and gets really meta. So it was like, it's back in the caveman section, they say, um... The first marriage, and it has a caveman <laughs> bopping a cavewoman over the head and dragging her off, which, you know, boomer humor, like, her, her, mm-hmm. caveman. And then it goes, and the first homosexual marriage, and it's literally the exact same sequence, only it's a caveman bopping another caveman and dragging mm-hmm. him off. And I found it really funny, because it's literally just this dad joke pun on homo, mm-hmm. and there's nothing like you know he's not mincing out with like a fucking you know pink beret or something it's just Mm. you know homo the oh because what it was was the first homo sapien marriage the first homosexual marriage and it's the same thing which you know i i thought especially for the 80s was really funny (laughs) i think we need to mention the joke that's attacking us What? We were personally attacked by one of these jokes.
0: Which one?
1: So, you've got a caveman, and he makes a beautiful cave painting, and he's showing all the other cave people, (laughs) and he says, the first artist, shortly thereafter, the birth of the first artist, shortly thereafter, the afterbirth, the first critic, and this guy just, like, gets up and pisses on the
0: painting. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's like, ouch. the other guy's, like, you know, patting him on the back, like, hey, man, you know, you did your best. (laughs) Although,
1: and this is a little bit of a sidebar, but, you know... it's interesting because I feel like the kind of stuff that we're doing here and even what you do on your YouTube show mm. is different from being like Pauline Kale or Roger Ebert, mm. you know, because what we're doing is essentially.
0: I'm like going, deconstructing? I'm going,
1: well, I mean, I don't even mean in terms of the content of what we're doing, but the situation in which we are doing this is so different from somebody, you know, sitting at home before the Internet writing up a little essay, sending it into a newspaper where it gets printed, and then maybe if somebody gets really mad at them, they'll write them a letter. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, we put out a podcast or a video or something, and people can comment, and they can say, no, you're wrong about this, and here's this, and discuss it. And it really feels more like being part of a conversation. Yeah. Um, which isn't to say it's not work. Obviously, like, putting the work into thinking about stuff and analyzing stuff is, is just as much work as ever. Um but I think what's interesting about it, and I've noticed, I mean, because we're both artists. Like, you make yeah. music, I'm a writer, like, we both yeah. make art. And I think that you see more and more of people who do this sort of, um, you know, talking about TV shows, talking who's about movies. Who
0: um guy who did the podcast who got me into thinking more about the Muppets? Um, it's the guy who's on The Tick. He plays the main, he plays, um, uh, he played Arthur Everest, Griffin Newman. He has a podcast called Blank Check mm-hmm. where he, like, talks about, like, films and stuff like that. But he also is, like, I just randomly found him through this, like, TV yeah. show that, like, oh, you're a, a, a podcaster as well as, like, yeah. an actor and well, doing be- stuff. Yeah.
1: Because, it you know, it's, like, with the internet we're all having this big conversation. And some yeah. of us, you know, try to make our conversations entertaining and, and go through the trouble of recording yeah, and editing and posting them. But, you know, but it is all sort of the dialect, or not the dialect, the, what is it, the discourse now. It's the, also discourse a, of the, uh, the discourse is the same You know, and, oh, the and weird... there's less of that sense of, like, we're not sitting in an ivory tower of a I'm a critic, and I'm yes. going to shit all over Kevin Smith. Yeah, things you are know? fragmented like, now. Like, we're artists, you know I mean? we put stuff out there that people might go, that's shitty, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And um so I feel like there's less antagonism oh, well. between... Critics and artists now, because they're not two hmm. discrete categories of people. Yeah, like a lot right. of the people doing sort of criticism work are artists themselves, because it's not—it's a critic is no longer like the impartial jury. The of person
0: who is hired by creativity. this important journalistic pl- place, and right. so they have to be you're, the last. You're somebody word who's for a like, lot of a large plethora of people, right? Or, the people, large, at people. least,
1: at least in our echelon, are mm-hmm. people who are. I like this. I like music. I like movies. I like TV. I like books. I like comics. I'm going to talk about this stuff because it's cool and it's cool to think about. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah so that like you know the the lofty the... the lofty critic pissing on the painting that the artist works <laughs> or, it doesn't actually apply to us, but I did feel like I had to acknowledge that. Like, can't for just sure, gloss though. over the yeah. Fuck as critic, someone
0: you know? named Critic, I feel like yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That definitely needed to be brought up.
1: So and oh, and at one point, uh. It gets a little unrealistic because a dinosaur comes in and eats one of the cave people. It's a little are we unrealistic Are about to talk <laughs> about some of the
0: inconsistencies of the... Yeah, there, uh... <laughs> there are...
1: A, spoiler, there are a lot of historical inaccuracies in this oh, movie. Of course, for the sake of a joke, um, yeah. The oh. ones off the top of my head, because some of it was surprisingly accurate, uh, but the ones off the top of my head are... Dinosaurs did not coexist with humans <laughs> at any point. Dinosaurs died out millions of years before humans came into being. The French Revolution section, there is no Marie Antoinette. I don't think Marie Antoinette no. is not around. And but the there king, are lots
0: of lots of busty maidens. <laughs> there are lots of busty
1: maidens. The king, uh, I believe, is supposed to be Louis the Sixteenth, but does not resemble the oh, yeah. historical Death. Louis the Sixteenth at all. <laughs> because Louis the Sixteenth in real life was. Impotent, which was a big issue for him and Marie Antoinette, hmm. um, he did not fuck at all. So
0: he wasn't saying, it's good to be the king to no he one would, in particular? He's
1: not saying it's good to be the king to the camera, no. So, yeah, the Louis in the movie is uh, just basically just going around and sexually assaulting every woman in his eyeline.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, in fact, he,
0: oh, the plot is forwarded by this one woman who wants to get her father out of prison.
1: Right, there is a plot to that. Let's just go back okay. and, like, kind of comb through. Because the Rome sure. section has... Um... The rum section has a lot of sort of subtle easter egg type jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, the way things are spelled and signs.
0: Yeah, oh, we were talking about inconsistencies. The really big one oh, was yeah, the yeah. motherfucker carrying around the goddamn um 80s uh, uh, <laughs> 80s boombox I mean, up to his... Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that so much an-
1: inaccuracy is just a very obviously intentional Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but but, agorism, like, but yeah. just to
0: push up against the reality yeah. of like this being a joke on us, you know, doing the modern inac- you yeah, know what are the yeah. words anachronism in like, the past
1: in case you weren't clear on the fact that this is not historically accurate here's a boombox. <laughs> yeah, yeah um so we've got you know from what i can tell a fairly accurate depiction of ancient rome for the most part um and that but you know they transpose the career of stand-up comic to a stand-up philosopher and yeah. he's in the the unemployment line because all the users yes yes and he's in the unemployment line and it's B. Arthur is yes. the unemployment
0: Arth- that's what I wanted to bring out yeah, yeah I, see that's the thing I was like do, do I want to just keep bringing up the cameos because like Hugh Hefner appears at one point you know, yeah Hugh, <laughs> about... Hugh Hefner
1: appears in a very brief cameo <laughs> telling girls that he's invented the centerfold <laughs>
0: yes and uh because someone else is selling a Pipe right next to him uh, for for plunging. Uh, put oh, yeah, piping in your house. Pipe the shit out of your house.
1: Yeah, there's a guy uh, that I think was from commercials, from infomercials. Mm. He's probably. I he looked vaguely familiar to me, and I feel like if you were watching this when the movie came out, you'd be like, "Oh, it's the guy from the such and such commercial." Of course. And I didn't. I wasn't able to identify him as that. Yeah. But I'm sure he was.
0: It is kind of funny how this movie like retroactively ends up being an ironic sort of like, look at the 80s through the look at yeah. how they look at the past. That's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> sort yeah. of a fun joke thing, you know?
1: The stand-up philosopher finds out, his agent runs up and tells him that he's booked him a gig at Caesar's Palace. Right. Just in time for the unemployment lady to hear him and take the money back.
0: Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, she asks him, uh, she says, uh, what, what is your job? Yeah, stand-up philosopher. I coalesce the vapor of human experience into uh, real thought. He's just like, oh, bullshit artist. Did you bullshit last week? Yeah. He's like... No. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, as soon as he tries to get the the money, yeah, he comes up and tells him that he's got a job uh, at Caesars Palace which, right as she closes the thing. And he goes like, uh, you know, I get you a, I get you a gig and you get mad at me? You're nuts, buddy. N-B-T-S nuts.
1: Yeah. That's the big line from that scene. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's all excited he's got this gig. And of course, that's a joke. And like, Caesars Palace, like the place in, you know, Vegas. But it's literally yeah, yeah, yeah. Caesars Palace. Um, and he, uh they they see a slave auction and it gregory hines yes gregory yeah. hines gregory the incredible
0: hines. gregory hines who was like he what what oh no i was
1: just saying he's fantastic yes
0: he's one of those like personalities where like how are you not in more movies like because he's so cool but then you're like no you're mainly known for tap dancing though like Mm -hmm. isn't it like that's what he's mainly known for yeah i mean mean, he has this electric personality yeah he's
1: really funny like you he doesn't seem like a non-actor yeah stuck into a movie he's really funny um And he's being sold uh, as they're trying to sell him to be lion food.
0: Yeah, but he's trying to say like, no, I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. Call my cousin Samus Davis Jr. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, That's the other like kind of running gag besides the Vs for the uses that any like like Sammy gets transposed into Samus. Like Donnie is Mm -hmm. Don. Like that kind of us, you know, getting added on, Uh, and you know, it's funny because I think it's one of those jokes. That's a little dated now and that, you know, hopefully people realize there are black Jews. Yeah. <laughs> that is not actually an unusual thing. There are lots of Jews who are also black. He then says he's Ethiopian, which, you know, Ethiopian Jews For are... For what part? Uh,
0: like, 215. <laughs> that was, yeah. He's, he, does a,
1: he does a little dance and... Uh, a and, sand
0: shimmy where he's like dancing around and moving the sand around. You yeah.
1: Know? and uh and mel brooks and his agent are just entranced by him and then this vestal virgin pops up and um tries to save a horse that's being whipped and the guy threatens her and then uh and then gregory hines was it josephus I think yeah his name. yeah, and yeah then josephus yeah josephus jumps down and uh, and punches, punches the, that dude. the guy yeah. to save the girl. And then, of course, the cops show up to try and arrest him. But oh, he, yeah. And
0: he says, uh, seize them. He says, oh, seize this, honkus. <laughs> yes, honkus. <laughs> um, and and Melvin's like, oh, never say that to the cops. <laughs> yeah. And just
1: in the nick of time, who should show up? deus ex machina but empress nympho
0: madeline khan looking madeline as Kahn. hot as ever can i just say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my she's,
1: god um so she comes in on a litter being born by all these soldiers uh which that guy the one soldier they keep doing like close-ups on his face he's like like he just cracked me up so much. I don't, he, his he, face was so funny. He
0: comes in right at right at the at like end of that that whole scene where they're saving the horse, and then he just like comes and he says, "Move oh, that miserable piece of shit!" Yeah, and it's just like these
1: close ups on his face while he's just screaming and his voice <laughs> cracking, and it is so funny. Um, but Empress Empress Nympho comes on, and again, I feel like this movie is not quite clear on what Vestal Virgins were. Um, Vestal Virgins were like nuns. Only in ancient Rome, like it was a temporary gig. You got to retire and then get married and do whatever you wanted at a certain point. But, um, but Vestal this Virgins flunking
0: history right now and not doing. What I, <laughs> I know this from
1: I know this from a British TV show about food. So, <laughs> uh, but Vestal Virgins were essentially nuns. They were temple workers. They they were in the temple to serve the goddess. Um, but in the the movie, for some reason, they kind of just exist to hang around. The Empress's house and I guess keep her company. They're more like ladies in waiting, I guess. So Miriam works for Empress Nymph Yeah, Empress Nympho. Yeah, Empress tongue twister. Empress Nympho. And she runs up to her and says, Like, please help, you know, can you can you save the slave? He saved me and they're trying to take him away. And Nympho goes, Do you think I have any holes he could fill? <laughs> yes. And of course and they all in like all the her litter bearers go,
0: and she like gives like flashes, at least like chewing gum, And she's like flashes like the uh, you know yeah. smile, you know yeah. the knowing uh, nod, you know yes.
1: <laughs> So all is well for the time being. Josephus gets to go work in the palace, uh, and um and Miriam goes back to her harem and um or I guess virginal harem. He goes to the palace. He's doing stand-up for Dom DeLuise as yeah. Caesar. Uh, offends Caesar you, you with his sparingly. Comedy. I think yeah. we can both
0: agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Accidentally offends Caesar, and then he and Josephus and Miriam yeah. all go on the run to escape. And there's shenanigans and hijinks. Yeah, he
0: def- he offends him with his political commentary. Yeah, like going like, oh, well, versus the the fat, the fat joke that he gets offended then, by. Yeah. nobody wants to be a big fat pig, and he happens to be like eating an apple. He's he like, has an apple in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. Yeah, and then, um, it cuts, and then he just tries to save himself by going into a politics joke. Which, how the hell did you yeah. think that was gonna save you? <laughs> Panicking. Yeah, but he's like, so, "Oh, people, you know, it's all about corruption. Corruption in the Senate goes all the way up to the king." Uh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and
1: then and then there's a bit. Um, oh, well, the emperor. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit in um, in the. I, I'm just gonna call it a harem because it's basically presented as a harem where Josephus is trying to disguise himself as a eunuch. And they trick him into getting a boner and thus Mm. proving he is not a eunuch. There's also a section where Empress Empress Nympho is looking for her escorts to the orgy, has Mm -hmm. a phalanx (laughs) of pantsless centurions (laughs) and walks by them going, no, 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 yes, no, 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 yes, no, no, yes, yes, no. No, And I'm like, talk about a fucking nightmare. (laughs) Like, talk about a fucking nightmare. Just that will haunt... Your dreams is just standing there with no pants, while Madeline Kahn looks at you and goes, uh, "No." no. <laughs> um.
0: There's a scene where they're they're walking past and they're trying to get into the clothes of like you know people in the Roman Senate, so no one will notice mm-hmm. them. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they happen to walk past a meeting by a meeting that's happening, and someone's saying, "Shall we continue to build palace after palace for the rich, or shall we aspire to build decent housing for the poor? How does the Senate vote?" And everyone just stands up. Fuck the the poor, poor.
1: (laughs) Which I imagine is how it goes in our Senate also.
0: (laughs) Like, nothing changes.
1: Nothing changed. Ancient Rome, the 80s.
0: So they need to escape, and, um they're, like, they're on this chariot race, and, you know, they're chasing behind them, and then, like, like, oh no, how are we gonna get across this river? And then you see Moses putting up his hands, and, like, they're like, oh my goodness, like, look, that that guy's making a way for us! And, like, the water, and I always remember as a kid, like, being able to obviously see the metallic thing that's, like, moving the, the dividing the water, you know? But, yeah, they roll through it, you know, like, uh, you know, they stay dry, and they get through it fine, and then uh, Moses turns around, and there's, like, a guy aiming an arrow on his back, he's like, and keep them up. Yeah. So,
1: so the Inquisition bit is like <laughs> Mel As Brooks, Sasha
0: Baron Cohen level. It is like, Sasha Baron
1: Cohen level spice. That is like, Mel yeah, Brooks. Spicy. That is Mel Brooks at his spiciest. <laughs> oh my um, lord! Because it's basically Jews getting tortured. It yes, is
0: in the most comical uh, Las Vegas. You know. Yeah,
1: it's one of those things where, oh my God, it's like. You can imagine like that jaw Ma- drops. You can imagine like... Seth MacFarlane trying to get away with this. And right. It's like, you know what? You know what? You didn't fucking literally fight the Nazis. Right. So fuck off, Mel Brooks. Literally, first of all, is Jewish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most importantly, first yes. of all, is Jewish. Second, and knows how to
0: make these jokes.
1: Yeah. Second of all, literally fought Nazis. He can make whatever kind of fucking joke he wants. Um, but he, uh, yeah. So, so Mel Brooks is playing. This, uh... Takamata! Right, the the Grand Inquisitor, um, and it's, oh my god, it is so cutting, because it's, it's just this big pageantry, which, that's the thing, that's what the Inquisition was, like they didn't mm. give a fuck about saving souls right
0: well, you're supposed to be on the right team now because we have Well power, and like. and the
1: thing is like I don't think they even cared that much about converting people cuz if you're really like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know if you're really trying to win win people over torturing them is you know I mean a lot of it was just honestly theft they wanted mm. to torture and kill Jews and steal their property and Muslims they did this to the Muslims Yeah yeah also. they brought that up
0: as well um, yeah yeah You
1: know but It's painful because it's funny and it's over the top and it's silly, but you're also seeing,
0: you know. What what I think about it is like, I think it's pretty clear that the butt of the joke is the cruel hypocrisy of these people. Right. For nobody's, these...
1: nobody's laughing at the victims.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I think where it comes from, like, when you make the comedy, like, the point is that this guy clearly doesn't care and is just a sick, twisted fuck who's, like, doing what he wants because mm-hmm. he's in power and what are these people gonna do about it? You know what I mean? Like,
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, you're seeing these very clearly Jewish people... You know they're wearing they're wearing talisim they're wearing prayer shawls mm-hmm. they're like you know and they're in the stocks and they're getting hammered on and they're getting put in iron maidens and you know and it's one of those moments where like y- you it's funny the comedy is artfully done it's impressive but also you may have a moment in it of going oh shit because you know I mean this shit like, happened like like
0: there are people who very realistically enjoy the fact that this happened mm-hmm. to these people. And, and, those it's, people, and it's affecting you know what I'm saying. people's
1: lives still. There are so many people now who are finding out because, you know, a lot of people pretended to convert... Um, and still sort of managed to keep up traditions, but in, in a covert way. And they were called conversos. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people now, like in a lot of groups I'm in, a lot of Jewish Facebook groups I'm in, um, are so full of people like finding out they're Jewish and going, Oh shit. I just realized there was a really interesting story of this woman who, um, you know, she was uh, from Puerto Rico, I think. And she said her family's Spanish cookbook, um, had all these things like huh isn't it funny that it always says to check the eggs before you you know before you put them in and isn't it funny that there's never any uh milk or dairy or milk and meat together isn't it weird that there's no pork or shellfish even though pork's really big in spanish cooking generally um and it turned out that it was like oh my family's been keeping kosher this whole time but they had to do it in secret Mm. um and there are dishes like specifically there is a kind of french toast that was invented by the conversos by the sephardic jews in spain who are hiding um that is supposed to look like a pork chop so that you're making this thing that's just bread and eggs but if the inquisition comes in oh yum yum pork Mm. look at me i'm definitely not jewish Mm. uh you know there's so much trauma there Mm. um so anyway, I had feelings yeah. during but, that number, but it was very well yeah. done.
0: But yeah, like I said, like I feel like the point is to show, not to like laugh at that. It's these not people laugh. Were hurt. It's
1: it's because I think also in our culture, and I'll, again, like my mother was brought up Catholic. I i don't like I don't have a problem with Catholics mm. to be clear, but I think that there is a way in which in our society the catholic church and and this is changing especially after like you know, all the sex abuse scandals yeah. really really coming to light <laughs> but, especially, especially, <laughs> but in the eighties especially the Catholic Church stands in for the forces of good, even weirdly yeah. enough, to people who aren't Catholic, even to people who aren't Christian, people who aren't identified with a religion that is not Catholicism, very often, you know, and I think a lot of it's subconscious, but and and a lot of it had to do with the exorcist, Um, but you still see this, where it's this idea of, like, Catholicism and the Catholic Church being on the side of good, on the side of heaven and God and all that is right, and they, you know, and people put up this dichotomy of, like, are you on the side of, like, you know, and again, like, now that people, like, which... Now, this, I think, is also unfair to automatically assume a priest is a child molester. But, you know, that is the association a lot of non-Catholics have now. But it's like, Um, I
0: mean, fucking deal with it, institution. That could have clearly dealt with it earlier. We're talking about... There's there's
1: also the difference between individuals and the institution.
0: Yeah, Yeah. But
1: we're talking about the 80s when none of this... This was all still being madly suppressed. So, in the 80s, the Catholic Church was... You know the force for good, and are you on the side of the Catholic Church or the devil? Mm-hmm. And so it's like I think attacking it in that way, in that way that wasn't like it was just you guys did this. You know yeah. that was very yeah. bold for the time. And that
0: that that's that, exactly that like, what like that I'm was very to, very yeah.
1: bold. Yeah, I mean, and it's like obviously nobody's expecting. Mel Brooks. I think I mentioned Pauline Kale earlier and I was yeah, thinking about yeah. her because she really like didn't like Mel Brooks and thought he was tasteless. Really? <laughs> yeah, there was like there, I was reading that, but then she said something about this movie that she said, Well, I guess you have to get back. you have to get past the bad taste and, and eventually <laughs> laugh or something. Mm. But
0: well, like no, I like that you're saying, like, you guys did this and like Don't act like there weren't motherfuckers Mm -hmm. who enjoyed doing their job at doing this. Yeah, and and I think
1: the thing is, you know, people talk about, oh, everybody's so easily offended now. Um, And I don't think that's true, that people are more easily offended now. I think people are just offended about different things. Yeah. Because nobody... I mean, even, like, Catholics I know don't really... Spend that much time getting mad about shit, like, Mm. like I don't know anybody who would actually get mad about that. But I feel like in the eighties, people were definitely getting mad about the bathing suit nuns and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know.
0: But I think, like, exactly, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and
1: oh. The nuns pop up after their little water ballet. They pop yeah. up and they got things on their heads and it turns out they're a menorah. <laughs> like the one that the Vatican is hanging on to.
0: Ooh. Oh. Scandal. Oh.
1: People are always going to get offended by things. Just because you don't
0: remember that they had those thoughts doesn't mean right. that they did and, and I don't
1: think, I feel like being offended by stuff is pretty human and not something. Now it's just, there's a reason it's just that it. people are offended by things that you know, by different things now and yeah. things that you didn't think were offensive and so you're annoyed at people for being offended at different things than you think. Yeah, like, I mean, be. I can imagine
0: <laughs> Yeah, a Jewish person at that time would have been like, hey, uh, the Holocaust didn't happen that long ago, maybe don't show us on screen, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, having I mean, that and, feeling. Like- yeah,
1: and, like, and that's the thing, is, like, obviously, like, even Mel Brooks being Jewish, like, it's, I don't think it's offensive that he made these jokes, but you could definitely have an argument about taste and, yeah, I mean, and I like, yeah, I literally got kind of like a, a little teary at one point mm. during this number, during this ridiculous, over the top, you know, Vegas show comedy number, because mm. it's referencing something that was really horrifying.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like the fact that is is like, oh, wait a minute, like, like me as a as a kid and like going like, oh, the Holocaust. And that, wait, this keeps happening? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the the torturing of Jewish people. Like, this just keeps happening? Like, what in the fuck? you know, like, as someone who, you know, like, that's how that connects this as a piece of art for me as someone not knowing directly about Jewish culture as much. You know what I'm saying? To see, like, the reality of that played out through Mm -hmm. this comedic moment, you know? When you say people get offended by things, it's not just people getting offended. Like, there's always context for it. Mm -hmm. There's context, like...
1: And I'm not going to say nobody in the world gets offended unreasonably. Like, obviously, there are people in the world who will get offended by stuff that it is not reasonable to get offended by. Dude, can I like... Okay, this is like a real big, like, galaxy brain thing, but this is like a conversation... Go off, King. Okay, (laughs) this is a conversation we've had, but I feel like it bears repeating. We have billions of people in the world, and millions, millions of those people are on the internet, right? So, and we have monkey brains that can only conceive (laughs) of 150 other monkeys right so no matter what evidence we have we know factually there are millions of people in the world there are there are billions of people in the world there are millions of people on the internet we know this but our brains cannot really conceive of that so we mentally subconsciously reduce everything we see to try and fit into that little monkey mold Mm -hmm. of 150. I'm referencing like 150 monkeys if you look it up. It's a...
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: anyway. um, And so whenever people say everybody says this or nobody says this or this is always happening and it's always like this or this is never happening and it's not like this or whatever Mm -hmm. like I think cancel culture is a perfect example Mm. you've got people on the right saying everybody's getting cancelled and you can't say anything cancel culture blah 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 and look at it all these celebrities are getting cancelled and it's not fair and then you have people on the left saying cancel culture is not real cancel culture isn't a thing that never happens every time somebody gets cancelled it's completely justified which is also not true
0: <laughs> but it's like, but the interesting thing is that it's like a lot of the people who end up getting canceled and using the rhetoric of that saying right. that everything is getting canceled. Right. If you look into what they're getting canceled for, is you're just like, no, mm-hmm. but that person kind yeah. of deserves it. But there are other people who. You know, yes, like with James Gunn, but you have to look into the context mm-hmm. of seeing that. Oh, someone was exaggerating this in order mm-hmm. to sell this. And, well, and it usually turns out to be some right wing reactionary who was just trying to mm-hmm. get revenge for well, some I, person who deserved to be killed. And my
1: point is, like, <laughs> again, there are millions of people on the internet. So depending on what you see, it may seem like everybody or nobody. So like, I'm in a quarter. I'm in a corner of the internet. Where like I am, ta- I talk to a lot of Jews online, right? Jews are like two percent of the population. Oh online. yeah, yeah like, like a very small it percentage. He
0: keeps throwing me off. We're like, wait, what? They- Why is there a but of But <laughs> if I just
1: went based on people I talk to on the internet, I would think most people are Jewish, yeah, right? Right. Um, you know, same thing with like depending on where you grew up. Like I remember hearing like the racial breakdown statistics of America. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Georgia. I was like, that is not right. Like half half of the Just about, like, almost half of all people are black, and almost half of all people are white, and then there's a few, like, when I heard...
0: Only, like, 13% of people are, like, black, 13 to 16%, I was just like, huh? Because
1: I grew up where about half of everybody I knew was black, and half of everybody I knew was white, and I did not ever meet an Asian person until yeah. college.
0: And then, like, and, Latino it was like, oh, I maybe had one Latino friend, and, but it's just right. like, oh, there's like a whole part of the right. country that's but right there. that's <laughs>
1: because, like, we now as adults can go, oh, the people that I knew in this tiny circle in my hometown, like, it's easier to look around a physical space and say, hey, this town is not representative of the overall breakdown of the country. But with the internet, because it's big and wide and open, there's an illusion. And people talk about, like, your bubbles and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's just just inevitable. It mm-hmm. is inevitable. But because the internet theoretically anybody could be saying anything to you, yeah. it's harder to notice. yeah And so, um Yeah,
0: I feel you know, like like if you're on like Twitter, like people who get caught up into it and like Twitter beefing with people or like you're just talking to someone getting angry at them all day, you're just like, it looks like this is real and important to you, but it's like as soon as you take mm-hmm. the phone away this isn't that big of a deal. but it looks like it is because it's being plastered on this thing that looks like it's the most important thing on your phone you know right. what I mean? and it's i like... think
1: you know my my point overall is just that basically saying everybody's offended about this or nobody's cares about this mm. or whatever it's like no because whatever it is you you could find, like think about like all these niche fetishes mm-hmm. that if you lived before the internet you might just like be a weird person who collects like a specific type of catalog ad or something. You know, you collect, but like, now you've got on, now uh, you've got uh, deviant chip art, chip. Yes. And so you could think of the most niche fucking fetish. You could think of like My Little Pony turning into a blueberry, and you can I find mean, like,
0: Rule Forty Three, right? Like that's what can... it really. And not only
1: that, you can find thousands of people who are into that so if you can find thousands of people who have a my little pony blueberry fetish you can find thousands of people who express literally any opinion literally anything and because of that and because our brains can only conceive of 150 people if you see thousands of people saying something you think everybody says that
0: and i think what it's up to us as individuals to do is like Look at context, break mm-hmm. down and parse down. Or like, why does someone feel that way? Because you might find like the reason why someone feels that way. Oh, it's justified. At a certain point, they mm-hmm. had to deal with this. Or you might be listening to some Rush Limbaugh show and be like, oh, the reason why they feel that way is because they're just kind of being racist towards black people and just like, okay, well then, fuck their opinion then right. they're just wrong. Like, right? You know what I'm saying? Like,
1: right. And so, you know, I mean, it's it's just something to be aware of. And I think like <clears throat> when we're talking about Mel Brooks. You can't help but talk about offensiveness because so many people now also look back at him and they're like, oh, I couldn't get away with that now. And it's like... He didn't, quote unquote, get away with it. Yeah. He got pilloried. Like, people. Yeah, were it's not like
0: everyone was him. just like, wow, there he goes. There goes you know, that Mel Brooks. Uh, pa- Parents of America. Uh, yeah. You know, It's <laughs> so often
1: when people get mad about, can't say this, can't say that. It's like you just don't want anybody to get mad at you. And part of why Mel Brooks was great is he wasn't worried about, he did stuff knowing that people were going to get mad at him. He made a big musical number about the Spanish Inquisition, knowing that he was going to make Catholics and Jews mm-hmm. and probably a bunch of other people angry about yeah. it. And he did it. And I think it was worth it. Um, yeah.
0: And, you know. Yeah. I just think were like, yeah, like, again, it's about the context of how they get mad, right? Like, you know, Jewish people might get mad, be like, they might have it's a justifiable reason. Yeah. But Catholics get mad because like, You weren't supposed to show us being imperfect. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like again, kind of like looking at why these people are really get mad. You know,
1: spotlight. This is before the you know all these allegations of sexual abuse were like out there and and really like in popular culture. This the Catholic Church was the good guys automatically, and no institution that's been around that long is the good guys. Mm -hmm. Immediately after that is the next plot. It's the French Revolution and we're in, you know, just before the revolutionary France and everyone is starving and people are trying to sell rats yeah, and I, one guy is selling nothing. I have nothing to sell. we see Cloris Leachman with like a two inch long skin tag
0: yeah.
1: knitting nothing. It's really, like she's sitting there and you're like, what are you doing at first? And she, then you realize like, cause it seems like she's knitting and her needles are being really loud and then you realize there's no yarn. Yeah. She's just knitting air. They have these little like, nod to the fourth wall where they say, We cannot even afford the language. We are so poor. We only have these shitty accents. We all talk like Maurice yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then it jumps to uh, the carriage of the Count de Money. Yeah,
0: yeah. Count
1: de Monet. Count de Monet. It took me an embarrassingly Not long time problem. to catch on to that joke. I didn't realize what was happening because he gets out and they're going, Count de Money. Count de Money. Count de Money. And I was like, Why are they shouting Count de Money? And it. He, he is the Count de Monet, and they keep mispronouncing it as Count de Money. Oh, and they
0: roll the the, the red carpet over the the, over the four women, people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's how you really know like where someone's heart is on this thing, right? Because yeah. like you know what he's trying to say by showing the assholes doing mm, this, you know. And the like, Count
1: de Money is played by the guy who,
0: Harvey Korman uh, by
1: Harvey Korman, and then the the and then the boyfriend of of uh, of Roger Debris... And oh yes. the, and the theatrical director from The Twelve Chairs. Yeah. He's like his lackey.
0: Yes, and he looks like a freaking poodle. He looks like he's,
1: he's wearing. I want to see what that man looks like without what makeup, without makeup, and without like a spirit
0: gummed beard. Like I'm just so curious what he, he looks. looked like. He had a beard on a beard. Yeah, like I'm just so
1: curious like what he looks like clean shaven and not wearing makeup. Uh, but so they're they're rolling around in a fancy carriage and they show up to Versailles. And it's King Louis again, this complete historical fiction version of King Louis, where he is a sex monster and he is playing human chess and then just assaulting every woman yeah. that he sees. There is a piss boy, and so we've got this little prince and a pauper thing where Mel Brooks plays both the king and the piss boy, which is really, I don't even know if I want to say it's an exaggeration. In some ways, having a piss boy would be better than what actually went on at Versailles. What,
0: they're just peeing in people's mouths? i <laughs> like that that's where your brain went uh, I was thinking, you know i'm thinking in the context of history of the world in, in this yeah. movie and how it's like just exaggeratedly yeah. awful um, you know like they did not pee in
1: people's uh, mouths i mean they might have done that but no versailles was filthy it was this big grand palace and people just courtiers would just piss in the halls they would like, oh, oh yeah. yeah they like <laughs> let their dogs shit everywhere like it was Yo, this, like we- Hey, we're always we supposed to think these people are fucking fancy. And yeah, shit? no, aristocrats, aristocrats, specifically what I know about is like French and English aristocrats from a certain time period were the rudest, most disgusting people because they could get away with it. Like manners, yeah. etiquette, that was a very bourgeois middle class thing. The aristocrats, uh. they were rich. They didn't have to fucking, you know, whatever. So you had like...
0: And that's what I think is funny about Mel Brooks showing this character as being really this yeah, awful, you know? Yeah,
1: like, um, You know, it's like, that's not accurate to louis the 16th but it's probably accurate to king. No. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but
0: it's funny it's like because when you're a kid you're kind of made to think that like no kings in real life you know in They're history fancy. they were yeah they knighted people and they you know just did good you know yeah. what i'm saying like
1: oh yeah like it's so weird how much pro-monarchy propaganda is fed to american children yeah it's like we fought a whole war like our whole country was founded on not having a
0: monarchy i like, remember with... someone had the the quote they said like you're supposed to uh And this is appropriate for this episode, uh, too, right? Because we're talking about the monarchy. You know, when they do all this pageantry and stuff like that, and how it's like, why am I supposed to like that this is happening? Mm -hmm. You know, why am I supposed to like that these people are just flaunting their wealth like this? And someone said, um, it's like, you're supposed to bask in the glow...
1: Yeah, you're just you're supposed to just go. Oh, ah, beautiful spectacle. Let yeah, me enjoy yeah. It. Instead
0: of instead of envy, why these people have more than you? You know, there like... was so
1: I was listening. There's a really good podcast. I can't remember if I mentioned it before, in which case I'm giving them free advertising. There's hmm. a podcast called "You're Wrong About." They did like a four or five parter on Princess Diana, hmm. um, and the guy, the one of the hosts, pointed out. He said that. Um, to his mind royalty the the institution of the monarchy is a human rights violation and it was a really interesting point because not only is there the obvious oh my god these people are sucking up so much resources when wearing all these jewels and whatever when there's people starving and they have you know country estates and people are homeless you know and they
0: know that they can't act like they don't know that right (laughs)
1: so there's that but also like it is cruel, and I, I like. I get a lot of people who'd be like, wait, 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 but it is cruel to make somebody a monarch. Like, if you think about, like, you're born into that from the time you were a baby,
0: you are this oh, special yeah. person,
1: and you have to grow up and be in charge of a country.
0: Like, you just don't have a choice. That
1: is so weird and unfair, and it's like, okay... Not exactly a hot take from a 21st century American to be like monarchy is not the best idea, guys. That's really yeah. not an ideal situation, uh, you know, system of government. But even when you've got a situation like England, where you know they're, they're not really the government, they have an actual government, and they're really just kind of figureheads. They're like, you know, they're they're like pandas, was how somebody put it. That yeah. they're, you know, they're expensive. They're really, expensive pandas. They're expensive and they're high maintenance and they don't really do anything, but. Um, but, you know, even if it's not, even even if, like, it's just a figurehead position and you're not really expected to be a governmental leader, you're still a level of celebrity that, like, a famous actor's kids are not automatically going to be, like... I mean, pap- paparazzis are the scum of the earth and they do creep on celebrity yeah. kids, which, fuck, fuck paparazzi. Yeah. But um, even, like, you know, whatever, like, you know... J Lo's kid. People aren't looking at that kid and going, "You are going to grow up and be Jennifer Lopez." You, you, now. You're
0: going to do. You have to do. You the have to grow up and be did. a gigantic
1: pop star. Yeah, and and especially because so much of the national identity is tied into it. I don't remember how we got on this subject. Well, because we're just, talking about uh, oh, we're, uh, we're, the yeah, the like we like even as Americans, like think how many st- and part of it is just that you know fairy tales are universal and so many fairy tales involve monarchy yeah. um but
0: you know it inherently says that this is a part of the world and is good so right. and it's, it's that. just
1: hard to but yeah like so many modern day kids stories are still written about princes and princesses and kings and queens and um and yeah, like no, like they are people in a really weird situation and many Ooh. of them were horrible, including yeah. the fictional Louis the sixteenth. Assume-
0: but were assumed to be good because well they're the people or who are not, in charge. So if they not have good to be. at
1: least if not good at least able to behave themselves. Yeah. Um but yeah, so so you know, basically we've got this monster who happens to look exactly like one of his servants. Oh, that's why you no, said no, no, no. the piss boy. Like, having people piss in a bucket held by a footman would actually be better yeah, than them I, just randomly pissing on the floor. Again,
0: I think that's a funny thing in terms of, like, like the the reality of what actually happened. Is it more insane yeah. than yeah. the parody that yeah. he's joking? But it's Like, like that's least, like, controlled? But the, <laughs> like, yeah, but the
1: idea of having, like, a person stand there while you pee is, you know, more degrading. No, it's definitely, then, like,
0: still barbaric. Also, but also <laughs> like,
1: just having the character be a... A piss boy is yeah. <laughs> he catches wind of the revolution happening and so decides to swap places with the piss boy, so that when the peasants come for his head, he can escape, and they'll and they'll kill the uh, the piss boy instead.
0: I'm sorry, I can't get off of the 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 fecalness of this, and I know I'm really I'm really dragging mm-hmm. our podcast now by this, yeah. but just the like, cause right, don't you have that image in your head of how this movie looked of like that is what the French like you know nobility looked like instead of like as you said, like if you went back in time, Bill Bill and Ted style, you would think you'd see this like oh okay, they're treating these people kind of crappy, but like you know. Oh, the penis, but oh that's what the nobility did because they were, it no but if you actually look back you'd be like oh my god it smells like piss and shit what the fuck yeah. why was this golden place I think also it's like part of that? it
1: when we look at the clothes they wore it's like you're gonna dress that nice you're gonna spend that much on your clothes and you're gonna like You're going to shit in that? Like, you're going to shit on the floor while you're wearing that? Really? Like,
0: at least
1: dress... Like, at least wear sweats if you're going to do shit like that. It
0: really shows these motherfuckers as, like, the uncivilized monsters in there. Like, all those paintings edited out the pits and shit stains. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. And Mel Brooks is just slathering them back on. Uh, That's what he's doing. That's how I brought it all back together. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh,
1: and so um, you mentioned this way earlier, but there's a young woman whose father is in prison... And she comes to the king asking him for help and he basically says, you know, come to my chambers tonight and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and let me have my way with you and then I'll free your father and she's a virgin and and went to a convent school and is, you know, it's a very difficult decision yeah. for her. By the time she shows up, the king has been replaced with the piss boy and absconded. Yeah. And the piss boy... Which don't got
0: because the king gets away. <laughs> yeah. You know, so,
1: you know, this the piss boy opens the door and this woman is just tearing her bodice off and saying, take me, take me. And he's just sort of confused. And then, figure like, oh, out,
0: maybe we could uh, take in a couple of dirty paintings or something first, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so
1: you think, you know, with all this, like, oh, he's going to find some way to get away before the revolutionaries come, but he he figures out what's going on, frees her father, um, and then the revolutionaries come, and...
0: And he tries to run away. He tries to run away, but, like, he keeps getting mixed up everywhere, and he's like, who the hell designed this yeah. place? <laughs> um,
1: and so in the last scene, he's standing on the scaffold about to be beheaded,
0: Yes, and he says, um, "He says, uh, you know, do you, he says, what do you want, you know, before you know you're executed?" And he says, "Like I don't want anything. I want to die like a king. I may not have lived like one, but I think I, I, I can die like one." And then they like show off the guillotine, and Al's gonna cut off his head. He goes, oh, "Holy shit! Uh, you know what? I think I need one thing: uh, Novocaine." And like the guy whispers to the undertaker, he says, "There is no such thing known to medical science." And he goes. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. and it's like oh, that's a pretty good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good so, line.
1: <laughs> so they're about they're about to kill him, and who shows up? But spoiler: this is the punchline of the whole movie. Yeah. Josephus kind of, kind shows of, up
0: ba-dum-bum. in <laughs> a like,
1: chariot, like... <laughs> wearing a Roman centurion outfit.
0: Yeah, and it's like, "Hey, it, with the horse miracle and yeah, Miriam, like, and it's like, hey, let's go. We come to rescue you and save you. And no, no one in the crowd is stopping them yeah. or anything. And, and
1: because they're all shocked that a guy from seventeen hundred <laughs> years oh, ago is yeah. here.
0: And, and it's like, you know, it's also kind of cheap, but it's just like. Was he supposed to be the same character? Yeah, that's Josephus. That is no, a... no. I'm I'm talking about Mel Brooks. Oh, the fact that they're saving his... him because he's a piss boy in right. the 1700s. Yeah. How do well and this is how where... are we supposed to make the connection? Well, that and that this was, is where you know it I mean? gets
1: very meta because yeah, it's like yeah, I mean, yeah. it's you know. Josephus comes and rescues him, and they're riding off with they they run off with Mademoiselle with the right. with the the French girl.
0: But it's it just like threw me real because it's like I get that it is Mel Brooks, but like in the context of the scene, how I think I think it, at I that, point, that that was supposed to be yeah, ooh, what, it's not supposed to earlier? be the stand
1: up philosopher. It's supposed to be Mel Brooks, and like at that point, I think we have completely busted down the Yeah, wall. but it's,
0: it's just kind of such a cheap ending, you it's, know? Like it's
1: a in your face Deus ex machina, and they literally yeah, yeah. And they're riding off. And they ride towards the end, carved into yeah. a mountain
0: space. It, it literally just feels like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's part
1: of what I say. Like, this is a yeah. weird movie. It's kind of, like, uneven. It's kind of not clear on what it is. But it's very entertaining.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then we get the... Wait, where are you going? <laughs> right. And then we get, you know, at the very end, because, you know, again, is there history of the world part two? Yes, and it is contained within History of the World Part 1, and it is a very short gag of coming soon, History of the World Part 2, Hitler on Ice, and it's a an nice dancer dressed as Hitler. Yeah,
0: which I always felt like, just like, it's like, it's too lull to random for me, especially in the context of a movie that just showed, like, the torturing of Jesus. Yes. Like, anyone who, anyone who is, is sympathetic to Hitler isn't getting offended by this, I don't right. think. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like...
1: yeah. It's it's Hitler doing something, Femi. I guess. Like, yeah, I, I guess. It's, yeah. it's not the strongest thing. And then, but then we get Jews in space. Yes, <laughs> and it is Magen David shaped spacecraft that look like Star Wars.
0: <laughs> and it, and it's ultimately, I think, the best message because that means. You know, the Jewish people survive into yes. the goddamn space, the in, right? Jews That's yeah, goddamn straight. <laughs> the Jews persevere. Yeah. That's the ultimate message yes. of uh, history And it's well. like and you've got like some you know
1: you've got some kind of goofy looking Frommer guys like wearing their tally and their and their uh, you know, in their black hat and, like, sliding around <laughs> inside the spaceship and firing Jewish space lasers. That's right. It's Obligatory. <laughs> oh, my God, I had oh, to. our I, show is so current. It's so, uh, <laughs> it's so dead. It's so dead. And I had to. I'm sorry. Oh,
0: Lord. Um, I was not, I did not even think about that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and, and that's pretty much it. And it's, it's one of those movies where it's, like.
0: It's a message of triumph for the we, Jewish people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
1: I think that. I think that this movie was Mel Brooks had a lot of different ideas and was like, this adds up to about an hour and a
0: half. Yeah, exactly. Um, we <laughs> so that... made a bunch of jokes about history. How about that? Yeah, about jokes on the History Channel. <laughs> right,
1: and I think that if he had been operating forty years later, um, or even you know thirty years later, instead of making this a movie, he probably would have made it like a Netflix or an Amazon Prime special.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, it is weird that it's a movie, but it's fun
0: and, you, know? you know in the andy warholian sort of challenge of what uh, cinema can be or whatever you know yeah i mean fuck it yeah well, why not have these things that are like weirdly challenging to what narrative and film is supposed to be yeah <laughs> it's,
1: so it's basically two short films that get tied together in a really strange way and then a few sketches um but yeah, but it's it's fun, and I guess one of the good things about it is if you get bored easily with long movies, you can take a lot of breaks and yeah. not, and, you know, lose it, the train. And
0: it's about history, right? I think he covers all the, the big yeah. stuff. I
1: mean, you're definitely going to want to double-check any facts that you think you have <laughs> learned after watching this movie. <laughs> definitely double-check.
0: How many, how many eras does he cover, ultimately? Um...
1: Well, there's the early, early humans that are jerking off that are all furry all over. Mm-hmm. Then there's the regular cavemen. Then there's Moses. Then I mean, Rome. of
0: course, it's a very Eurocentric worldview. Yeah. <laughs> but... um,
1: then Rome. Then uh, then Rome. Then medieval Spain and then France. So six.
0: There's a narrative enough. Yeah. There's a uh, like. A long enough, like, and then, and
1: then if you count the end, you've also got the 20th century and the future, so eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: so like, it, it goes along enough of a history of the world timeline, There's, There right? is like... some
1: structure in that we are moving forward chronologically.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, I enjoyed it. More than I enjoyed Silent Movie or The Twelve Chairs. I will mm, say that really? it's not my favorite. We're coming up on my favorite, mm-hmm. and which is my favorite for completely Pavlovian reasons. <laughs> uh,
0: but... I think I think part of the reason is, and this might have been probably just overplayed on like Comedy Central a lot because I remember this is like a cheap, easy one to get because it's not like the classic, classic Mel Brooks, but it is the Mel Brooks name, so they probably played that one a lot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and I always do kind of. Feel like the sort of like okay i know it's a movie but that was still kind of cheap like in the way that i didn't feel about blazing saddles mm-hmm. w- with its meta ending you know what i'm saying yeah um, yeah i
1: mean it's it's not a perfect work of cinema but it is a good time
0: yeah 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 it's, it's fun enough and you're there's gonna be something that you didn't remember because it's so frenetic you know what mm-hmm. i mean so it's going to catch you off guard with something you know so yeah it's 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 watchable, definitely on that basis at least so thank you everyone for joining us for this episode. If you want to check out all our other episodes, they're on the Review and New Patreon uh, on Spotify, or I've also been uploading them to my second YouTube page, but I've got a playlist of the episodes on my main YouTube Rap Critic page, so you can check them all out in uh, one big place there too. So uh, definitely go check out all that fun stuff that I'm trying to do to make it easier for you guys to access all the crap I'm doing. Uh And until next time, I'm DJ. I'm N.A. And we're Jews out in space. Space. We're zooming along, protecting the Hebrew race. We're Jews out in space. If trouble appears, we'll put it right back in its place. And go!